Uh, so tonight we come to uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 8. Um, we'll be reading uh, the whole chapter, 1 through, 1 through 13. Hebrews chapter 8, hear the word of God. Now the point in what we are saying is this. I kind of love it when something starts that way. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect a tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry uh, that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. If that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with it when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. This is from Jeremiah 31. Uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. For they do not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, makes the first one obsolete, and what is growing obsolete is what is coming obsolete is growing old and is ready to vanish away. Let's pray and ask God's help as we look at this. Uh, Lord, our God, we thank you that you, uh, that you speak to us in your word, uh, that you care, have sent your Son, have made yourself uh, known to us. Lord, we, uh, we pray that we would experience your grace as we come here uh, tonight. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, the gospel isn't for people who are uh, perfect, who are good, who have it all together, uh, but for sinners, for those who are sick, uh, for those who are messed up and broken. And Lord, we come to you uh, from that place uh, tonight, looking, looking for your help to, to meet us in our struggle, uh, to meet us in our, in our doubts, in our insecurities, in our fears, uh, in our guilt. Um, Lord, we pray uh, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us of your love, that you would let us see uh, the glory, the beauty of who Christ is, even the salvation that you have uh, provided through him. Lord, we pray that your spirit would work powerfully uh, through your word as you uh, promised to work. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. It is a struggle uh, to believe. It's a struggle to believe uh, Christianity, uh, to believe the gospel. And it's a struggle to believe, is this, is this going to work out? Can this continue? 
it's a struggle because I think sometimes we feel like God doesn't really want me. God doesn't really want me. Like, he can't, like, if he knows, knows everything, uh, if he's everywhere, if he even knows the heart, the things that we think, the things that we feel, um, how could he want me? It means he knows how perverted I am, how prideful I am, how arrogant and bitter, how lazy I am. It's a struggle to believe that God really could really want us or care about us. I think sometimes that's the reason we don't believe in God or the reason we don't uh, want to believe in God. We feel like, feel like the whole idea of God is just one big thing that's condemning us and rejecting us and to make us feel worse about ourselves. Who wants, who wants God? Even for those who, uh, who do believe, still it's a, it's a constant struggle against this doubt that we just feel like God would, would at, at times have no place for us. Maybe some days we feel good and encouraging and close to the Lord and growing out with Him, and then other days... Um, you're wondering, are we Christians? Does, does God care for me? Is there, is there enough for me? Does God really want me? It's a struggle uh, to believe. And Hebrews speaks to us in that. Hebrews 8 here speaks to us in that, and it speaks to us of a new relationship with God, a, a new level of fullness of relationship with God through the new covenant. Just describing the covenant that we have with God through Christ. And covenant's a word that's used all through Scripture to describe, uh, essentially to describe a relationship, to describe the way that God relates to his people. Um, there's a statement from it, you see it uh, in this passage, uh, but, uh, but all through Scripture of the covenant that says, God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's the essence of a covenant. I will, be, I will be their God and they will be my people. We will belong to each other. We are in a relationship where I am God and they are uh, my people. We're uh, a relationship of love with one another. Valentine's Day was, uh, was this past weekend. Some of you are maybe still uh, floating with great memories of all the romance. Others of you are, are kind of glad that awkwardness is over and you can move on to, uh, to a normal week and um, the rest of things. But, it, but hopefully it makes you appreciate your relationships, whether that's dating relationships or appreciating you know, we, We're calling you know, family and grandparents, um, uh, friendships that you have as well. Um, it's a time where you often people are thinking about the excitement of a new relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship and you're thinking about the relationship that you enjoy or when that started or else you're kind of, uh, at least, at least you know, a lot of people, it comes around Valentine's Day and you're, you're imagining different relationships you could develop or uh, no guy I was talking to, he's like, he, he had a girl that he was interested in, he wasn't sure, like, does he start the relationship before, uh, before Valentine's Day, but then that kind of makes it too serious, or can it wait till afterwards, not anyone in our U.S., don't worry. Um, but, uh, um, but you get those, uh, you get those things, there's that excitement of thinking about a new relationship, and just every thought about that person makes you excited. It's kind of a thrill to be around them. It's a thrill to, uh, to hear from them or, or get, a, get a little card or a note from someone. Um, but, but with that, there's also, with a new relationship, there's also a lot of insecurity, right? Um, all this newness, but with that newness, there's a ton of insecurity, constant questions. Does she really like me? Does she really like? How's this going to work out? Is this um, is this real? Um, is this uh, will it, will it, is this something that'll that'll last? Is this worthwhile? Is this what I want? Um, I think there's similar insecurities when it comes to a relationship with God. Um, that um, we're asking the same questions. We're asking, is this is this a real relationship? Can I can I depend on this? the real thing? Is it something that'll, that'll last? Um, is it permanent? Is there something that I can do that's just going to throw it off? Is this, 
this worthwhile? Is this best? Is this what I want? Is this, this going to work out? Uh, similar insecurities when it comes to our relationship with God. The passage speaks to us uh, in our insecurities. Um, and it speaks to us in our insecurities that we can have confidence. Confidence uh, in the struggle because of a new relationship that we have, a new covenant that we have through Christ as our priest. Summing up or giving us a little bit of a summary in Hebrews, the point of what we're saying is this, that we have a, a high priest uh, seated in the heavenly places for us and we can come to God through him. Because of Jesus as our priest, we have this new covenant, a new a relationship with Christ. Uh, so first of all, is, uh, is it real? Right, one of the big questions that we, that we ask. This passage, if you look at it, is working on the, uh, uh, it's working on the contrast of, of real and imitation. Uh, right? That says Jesus as our priest has, has gone up, he's sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, a uh, minister in the holy places, it says, in the true tent. Right? We kind of feel like something ethereal. It's, it's in the true tent, the real tent, the real place of God's dwelling that the Lord set up. I'm not man, it contrasted with the uh, Levitical priesthood and the Mosaic, that, that that's all serving an imitation. It's, it's a copy, it's a shadow of the heavenly things. Moses made, uh, made that tent, that tabernacle of where God dwelled with his people uh, in the Old Testament. He made that according to the pattern that was shown him on the mountain. The real thing is where Christ is. Um, that's the, the imitation. The whole passage is working on that uh, contrast to show us that the new relationship with God in Christ is the full uh, reality. We're constantly asking the question of a relationship, is it, is it real? Can it be? Is the relationship with God real? Can God really, can God really want me? Uh, can God really love me and adore me and give things to me and take care of me and provide for me and sacrifice for me? Would God really do that for me? Because granted, it, it seems highly unlikely in one sense, right? Um, that, that the creator of the universe with all the expanse and all the amazing things that are in it, uh, no matter how great you are, that God cares about you. Uh, it, it, feels, it feels weird. God who has everything and he still loves and, ador- and adores me and would give, uh, give himself up uh, for me. Can that be real? Uh, Sometimes just in relationships, uh, we, we ask the question, is it, is it real? Maybe that's from that's the overwhelming feelings of just it feels so great. It's like a dream come true. Am I actually dreaming, right? Um, I think we can feel like in, in Christianity, is we have, have we just made something up because that's what our dreams are that we would love for there to be, this divine being that thinks we're great and so, so make us feel good if we believe that. Um, or on the other side, further along in the relationship, you're asking, is this the real thing? Is this the real deal? Is this, is this going to go somewhere? Is this more than just kind of another crush, uh, another uh, temporary relationship, but this is moving somewhere? Uh, the new relationship with, Christ, with God in Christ uh, is real. And just because we want it to be true, um, and, and it's the real deal, it's going somewhere. So I think sometimes we get confused uh, about what is the real thing. Uh, it's notoriously common in dating relationships in general, um, but, uh, but, but I think also our, our view on what's real gets shaped by the invitations. It gets shaped by the copies, shaped by our, by our other experiences. Um, Daphne loves to watch like any of all the princess Disney movies and everything, um, 
And uh, when she was when she was really little, she loved Cinderella. Um, she watched Cinderella like as many times a day as we would let her, as many days of the week as we would let her. And when she wasn't watching, like even I think before she was two years old, she's watching this movie and she's acting out Cinderella whenever um, whenever she's not watching it because she just she just she loved it. She wanted to be Cinderella and pretend to be Cinderella and do a little dancing thing and pretend to to get married. Um, and she would get married to anybody, and that pretty much meant you hold hands and you walk down the stairs together, and then you're married. <laughs> it's great. Um, and then as she watched the movie a little bit more, it became she realized there was more to it. You had to walk down the stairs, lose your shoe. Get the other person to put your shoe on your foot and then walk down the stairs and get in a pretend carriage and, and you're, you're married, right? Um, and hopefully there's not too much confusion for her that will last over, but, um, but it may. Uh, but it still it brings out a certain you know, desire in those relationships. Um, but reality isn't like Cinderella, right? Losing your shoe usually means you have to get a new pair of shoes. Um, reality isn't like the the shadowy copy. Real relationships uh, are much deeper. They take longer than 90 minutes to develop, you know, typically as compared to a movie. It's more than holding down the hands and walking down the stairs together. Uh, in this passage, what we see is we tend to get confused about what's real and relating to God. We tend to think that the, that the earthly uh, tabernacle, the earthly temple, uh, the tent is real. Like if we could have, if we could have been back in, in Moses' time, if we could have seen, if we could have seen it, we could have been there, uh, the cloud of God's presence uh, gathered over uh, the tent in the middle of the wilderness. And you see this uh, pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, that God is dwelling in this, in this place. If we could go there, if we could walk uh, into the courtyard, if we could uh, move the fabric of the tent aside and, and walk into it, uh, that's real. That's what we can see. That's how we're able to believe. God is really there. But, but we feel like Jesus, having left earth and gone to the heavenly, uh, heavenly holy place, is kind of like shady in our mind. It's ethereal. It's, it's abstract. Like Jesus, you know, what's, what's good? it's harder to believe that that's real. Uh, but the passage is saying we've got it backwards. Jesus is in the true tent. Jesus is in the reality of it. So we said earlier that we have, we have an anchor within the veil. We have an anchor into the true place of God's presence, the most holy place where, where God dwells, his throne room. Christ has already gone in through the veil, and he's the sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. But as he's there, we have confidence, even a boldness, to be able to go into God's presence and be accepted because Christ has gone as our representative and is accepted. And all the earthly stuff that maybe you could go and see and, and touch and feel, um, that's the shadow. That's the copy. Um, it's made after the pattern uh, of the real uh, where Christ is. The real, uh, it's like the real is better than the, than the fairy tale. It's deeper, it's fuller, uh, it's not pretend. Um, uh, here in Christ, it's, it's real. Uh, we can have a real relationship with God because Christ is there before the throne room, interceding for us. So there's, there's no need for insecurity. This is real. This is the real thing. There's no need for insecurity about the reality of new relationship with God. It's, it's every bit as real as the uh, death and resurrection of Christ. 
um, the relationship we have with God is fullness of his love for us, where he's given up his son uh, to death, that we could be rescued, that we could be brought back to him, uh, given promises for eternity. This is the reality what we have through Christ as our priest. But even if it's real, will it last? Right? Uh, we wonder, will it last? How, how long uh, could it last? Most of us have seen enough things, uh, even in our life, come and go, relationships uh, come and go. Uh, sooner or later, someone's hurt, someone's offended, um, someone grows tired of it, or something happens, and it ends. It's difficult to believe that something is, is lasting, permanent, that we can bank on it, that we can build our life around it. And we're left wondering, I think, even whether we admit it or not, we're left wondering, how long will God put up with me? How long will he, will he put up with me? Uh, am I going to at some point cross the line and, and lose God's love? Uh, is he going to grow tired of me? I'm not be able, when I'm not able to do all that he wants, is there going to come a point where God says, you know what, I've tried. You're, you're, still, you're still screwing up. You're not there. That's it. And maybe especially when we read uh, some of these things of God's relationship with his people in the Old Testament or even how it's uh, described in this uh, brief quote from Jeremiah 31, it's that sometimes when you go back and you read when God's people disobeyed, like thousands of them died. Right? That was... They disobeyed, thousands of them are gone. Or uh, the whole people of God, where they, they ended up in exile. Covenant with God, uh, but, they've, but they've broken it. And they're thrown out of the land. Uh, the land that God's promised them in the covenant, because they've broken it, they're, they're out. As you look at the latter part of uh, verse 9, it's this way. Um, they did not continue uh, in the covenant, in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. If you look at the way it's stated back in Jeremiah 31, it says, My covenant, which they broke, though I was their husband. I was like a husband to them as my bride, my people. They've broken it. They've been unfaithful. Um, and so he, he finds fault with them in verse 8, right? They didn't continue. He finds fault with them in their sin. So how's it going to be any different from us? How's it going to be any different for us when we're, when we're sinning, when we're breaking? How do we know we're not just going to be thrown out? That's the whole thing about this new relationship. Uh, right? When he finds, uh, 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 when he finds uh, fault, if, if the first covenant faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. He says, um, I will establish a new covenant, not like that covenant. A new covenant, a new relationship, not like that one, uh, which was broken. Uh, the problem with the first covenant is that people broke it. Um, and the new relationship is, is not like that. The covenant's faultless and permanent and continues God's love for us. And the new relationship through Christ as priest will, will last eternally, not based on uh, whether we can keep it or how well uh, we obey it, but based on the fact that Christ has already kept it for us. Everything that's required to have the benefits of the covenant to be in relationship with God, Christ has done it. Now, Jesus has fulfilled the law on our behalf. Uh, we're clothed in his righteousness. Our sins are covered uh, through his sacrifice. And now he continually intercedes for us in the real place of, of, of God's presence, represents us, and we're covered by what he's done. 
It can't be broken because Christ didn't break it and we're, we're represented by him. He succeeded in, in following it. Now, additionally, as the passage, uh, as, as the quote talks about, uh, God works a change in us uh, as well, that we're given uh, new lives, new hearts and minds with his, his law written on it where we're wanting to obey God, an intimate relationship where, where no one doesn't know God, no one needs to be told, but everyone has that relationship with God. And those things are, have that in part now through Christ having sent his spirit and his spirit uh, indwelling in us and working uh, within us, but we have it in fullness to come when all sin will be removed. Um, and we're eternally uh, with God. We have a new type of relationship uh, where it can't be gro- broken uh, because Christ has fulfilled it and even is working out uh, the love for God in us. Right? That's, the, that's the kind of relationship that we long for, that we want. Right? We tend, uh, when we're with other people, to kind of let others know it's pretty slowly, Right? Uh, the first time you meet people, there's only, there's only certain things that you're going to uh, tell them about yourself. If they ask hard questions, you'll kind of skirt the issue to, uh, to, another, um, to another subject. Or the, the first time you meet someone, you're, you're wanting to make a good impression, you're wanting them to think you're funny, or that you have really insightful comments about things, or that you're good looking and they didn't kind of find you on an off day. Or we, we, want, we want people to be impressed with us. And then kind of slowly, bit by bit, as we know someone, uh, as we know someone a little bit more, um, let other people know us, right? And like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can tell you something else. And we're kind of constantly wondering how it's going to go. Like, will you still like me once you know this about me, right? Will you still like me once you know uh, that I really don't know anything about politics, or that I'm not good at sports, or that uh, my room is always dirty, that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what different things, that I'm... Um, when you know the things that I've done in my past, you know how selfish I am. Or, uh, or when you know my middle name, I don't know why, there's like people have this insecurity about telling people their middle name, but it's just, it's just a name, right? That wasn't your middle name. Uh, but we're, we're that insecure about like what someone will think about us, but if we're not comfortable with, with like our middle name, because we don't say it that often, we don't want someone else to know it. Um, and the gospel uh, through Christ and this new relationship with God, that insecurity is gone can be gone. God's taken it all on himself. God knows all, uh, and Christ has covered all. He's done all uh, for us. And we get to enjoy uh, the benefits of his love, uh, the benefits of his love forever. But even if it's real, um, and if, it's, if it can last, if God's not going to give up on us, um, we'll still be wondering, is this best? Is this, is this worthwhile? I think we're constantly in, you know, friendships, relationships, evaluating, evaluating things. Is this, is this what I want? Um, is this the relationship that I want? Is this the, the person that I want? Is this best for me? Maybe even is it best for the other person? Um, is, it, is it good for me? Is it working out? Uh, is it beneficial? Well, maybe that's not really uh, the best question. It can tend to be kind of selfish along, uh, along those lines. It can drive a relationship down and being very self-centered. But... Um, and certainly in relationship with God, uh, we shouldn't first be concerned about uh, getting what we want, but instead giving to God what he deserves, of who he is, that he's, he's made us and made everything, rules everything. He deserves our worship apart from uh, anything for us. But I think it's still helpful for us to realize all the benefits that God gives us. 
how that He lavishes on us, that He has stored up and pours out to us in Christ. I'm going to go into all of them, but the passage uh, mentions uh, some of them for us in verse 12, among the things before it. But it says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Some of you are probably uh, dog people. Some of you are probably cat people. Um, I, I, I like cats. I love dogs. I pity those of you who are, who are cat people, but, but, but that's okay. Um, but I've heard people, you know, sometimes kind of fun, talk about uh, dogs as, as kind of almost showing an unconditional love, right? You know, like, when you, when you come home, back into the house, uh, at least if you have a good dog, somebody's shaking their head, your dog is, is running up to you, right? Excited, trying to get close to you, just not well trained, jumping on you because it loves you so much, and trying to uh, lick you or whatever, and it's tail wagging, and it's having, wants to play with you. It's like, bring the ball. It's like, let's spend time together. I'm so glad you're here. I love you. You're my owner, right? Um, it's just like this great overflow of emotion from your dog, you feel like. And it doesn't matter what your day was like, um, a day, bad day, it doesn't matter what you did, um, your dog is still, your dog's excited to see you, it always has lots and lots of love for you. Um, now, I'm not comparing God to a dog, um, dogs love people, uh, dogs don't know whether or not they should love someone, they don't have an understanding of anything else that's going on there, but... Um, but wouldn't you love uh, to, be, to be loved by someone who's not constantly uh, setting standards that you have to meet? Putting, uh, constantly evaluating you, constantly putting up different expectations, continually lay, uh, someone who's not laying down expectations of what they want you to do for them, uh, how they expect you uh, to act, where you feel like you have to keep changing, keep putting on a good performance, uh, keeping them happy and not messing up, or at least not messing up when they can see because that might... I mess the whole thing up. Um, we want the freedom to be loved for who we are. Um, to be loved with all our idiosyncrasies and, and weirdness. Um, even to be loved despite our failures. Uh, despite our wrongs. Uh, despite our meanness, meanness and, our, and our ugliness. Um, and in this new relationship with God uh, through Christ, we enjoy the full uh, benefit of his, of his love. He says, I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember those sins no more. Not that God doesn't know bad things about us. Um, he knows and loves us fully anyway uh, in Christ. All the injustices, um, all the false uh, standards, the false ways that we try to make ourselves look good, uh, our wrongs, our wickedness, the things that, things that we don't want anyone else to know that we've done. Um, when, God, when God sees that, he doesn't respond with, with rejecting us. He responds by showing mercy to us in Christ with loading our gifts of his adoration and affection uh, toward us in abundance. Instead of punishment, uh, he's, he's giving gifts to us. He's given His Son to us. He's calling us into His presence, calling us to life eternal in Christ. Or all the ways that we've uh, failed God. It says uh, He remembers our sins no more. All the ways that we failed God, things that we uh, shouldn't have done, knew we shouldn't have done, did anyway, uh, things that we knew we were supposed to do and neglected or didn't care about or lazy to do or avoided. He doesn't show 
disappointment with us for not meeting the standard, for not doing what he'd asked us to again. Uh, he remembers their sin no more. He, he, holds, uh, he holds nothing against us. In Christ, all of our sins have been covered. In Christ, we've been covered by his, his perfect obedience that's already met every standard. Uh, in Christ, our priest, we have a, a new relationship with God, with, with all the assignment, um, and that needs none of the insecurity, no reason for the insecurity. All the benefit of the God, uh, the true God of the universe who accepts us and loves us and adores us and pours his affection on us, uh, who provides and cherishes us uh, forever. It's a relationship we have with him through Christ. Um, I want to make just a brief comment, um, a, a bit of an aside on verse 13, right? It says, in speaking of the new covenant... And speaking of this new covenant relationship that we have with God, he makes the first one obsolete. Uh, what is becoming obsolete and growing uh, old is ready to vanish away. Um, you can ask me more questions about this, but if you're looking at the passage, you should turn over to, uh, uh, to Matthew chapter 1, and then with the right hand in your Bible, hold all the pages to the right side, and with, the left, with your left hand, you should take all the other pages and just rip them out. Anyway, there's a trash can up here, right? Because... Being uh, sarcastic, sarcastic there. Um, don't rip out uh, your Bible. But I think a lot of times that's the way that we act. We go, okay, what do we do with this Old Testament stuff? Well, Hebrews says it's it's uh, it's coming obsolete, growing old, ready to vanish away. Well, I need my little you know green Gideon uh, pocket New Testament and, and Psalms, Proverbs, throw them in there for good measure, and we're good, right? Those are good. Yeah, those carry came around. Um, but um, there's but there's more to it. Um, or you look at it, the other things the passage has already said, that, it, um, that it's finding fault with that covenant. Or, or in verse uh, 13 it says, obsolete, growing old, ready to vanish away. But on the other hand, Hebrews is using the Old Testament constantly. There's not a passage we've read this year that it's not, uh, it's not quoting other passages and alluding to even more uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, and use, it's using that to talk about Jesus. So, so what's, what's going on, right? Um, simply, and you come ask me more questions, but simply... The Old Testament is all about Jesus. You can be in Numbers, you can be in Leviticus, you can be in, in uh, 1 Samuel or whatever. The whole of the Old Testament is about Jesus. Jesus says that in Luke 20, 24. He says it's all, uh, it's all about him. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is talking about Jesus. Uh, the New Testament is the fulfillment of that. So Paul, Peter, the apostles, if they had a Bible they carried around, it would have been uh, the Old Testament, right? Maybe the Old Testament with uh, you know, the early Gospels or something as, as things are being developed. Um, Jesus is constantly talking about the Old Testament. The New Covenant doesn't throw away the Old Covenant. Uh, it, it fulfills it. So like the Old Testament uh, sacrifices, right? Pointed, pointed toward uh, Jesus. But now that Jesus' sacrifices come, we will still keep doing animal sacrifices, Right? The purpose of those sacrifices all along was to look forward to Christ's sacrifice uh, and its coming and its fullness. The New Testament is fulfilling it. Uh, so when it talks about becoming obsolete, ready to vanish away, well, that's because Jesus has come and because people are hearing of the fulfillment, right? That if they're, in this day, there would still be uh, Jews uh, gathered around the world who maybe they're still practicing things according to the old uh, covenant regulations of things who haven't heard, even after Christ has come and has died and been raised, they haven't heard about it yet, right? So it's 
But the, the news of the gospel is spreading, so as it comes to them, it's, it's becoming obsolete because that old way of relating to God through the shadow and the type before the reality has come uh, passes away once the reality is there. Once Christ has come, we don't still offer animal sacrifices. I don't follow those regulations in those senses. <laughs> um, but, uh, <clears throat> but the Old Covenant scriptures are in no way obsolete. Uh, they're still, it, it's the Old Testament scriptures uh, that Second Timothy is referring to and says they're breathed out by God uh, in, in freshness uh, and profitable, useless to us uh, now, useful uh, to us now. In the, in the previous chapter of Hebrews, it describes it as, uh, as useless. Um, it's useful to us now. Um, the old statement, uh, I forget now who said it, um, the old is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. Uh, but there's one way of salvation throughout uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, all through history, the only way of salvation for all peoples is, is through Jesus. The old way, uh, look through, through signs and types to what was to come. Uh, in the New Testament, we see it uh, fulfilled in Christ. We see the fullness of it. Um, I want to keep going and talking about more, but ask me, ask me more questions about it if that, if that doesn't make sense. I want you to see from this passage that as it's talking about the new relationship with God, it's saying that we have the fullness of what was always talked about. We have the fullness of relationship uh, in Christ. It now can't be broken uh, because Christ has fulfilled it. Uh, it's a struggle. It is. It's a struggle uh, to believe. And it's a struggle... One of the big reasons is because of our insecurities, for me, because of my insecurities. Can it be real that the God of the universe would love me? Uh, that Jesus has already secured uh, the way into the reality of God's presence that we can come through him? Will it last, though, um, that, God, that God won't give up on me, um, that I won't mess it up? We, we can't mess up because Christ has already secured it. We can't mess it up. Uh, Christ has already succeeded for us. We have a new type of relationship that can't be uh, broken because it's been permanently established through him. Is it best? Is it worthwhile? Is this uh, really what I want? Uh, am I really not going to burn out trying to make this work and trying to get some kind of benefit from it? A God uh, lavishes his affections on us through Christ. Uh, knowing our wrongs and our failures, uh, he loves us fully. And if I, can, if I can have some understanding that the God of the universe, uh, seeing my iniquities, shows mercy and gives gifts to me and remembers my sins no more but accepts me in his sight, um, that helps me out with a lot of my insecurities of being around y'all or being around other people. Like I've still got a lot of issues to get over the God of the universe, I have a relationship of love with him through Christ. If he can accept me, then, then I have a place. I have worth. Um, I have security. Um, it's an, maybe a struggle to overcome our insecurities, but the gospel is greater than all our fears. And we can simply look at how much God does, how much God has done uh, to show us that he wants us. Uh, that he wants us forever and sending his son uh, in humility to live uh, in the world, allowing him to be crucified, uh, punished for what we've done, raising him from the dead, bringing him into the, the real heavenly tent and throne room that he would uh, intercede for us and pour out his spirit to us and rule for us 
And do we think that God would turn back now? That having done all this, he's going he's gonna to balk at something else. Oh, that God has shown uh, his love for us. Christ has created uh, a new relationship with God for us in him. One that can, can never be broken. One of the fullness of God's love uh, for messed up people like us. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we're, we're very insecure. Um, we're insecure around each other. We're insecure with our family. We're insecure with our close friends. Um, and uh, we're certainly insecure with you. Uh, Lord, we think we can hide things from you. Uh, we think that we can make things work out by what we know or how we do things. Um, and all our plans don't, uh, don't leave us better off. Uh, we fall according to our own standards, and we fear uh, that you can't stand us or don't want us. And Lord, we pray that you would give us our faith to see the promises of the gospel, uh, that it's not about what we've done, but what Christ has done for us. Oh, Lord, give us this new uh, relationship with you, we pray. Let us uh, bask in it. Let's, let's be encouraged from it. Uh, Lord, encourage us that it can't uh, be broken. Uh, encourage us that we know you, that our, that our wrongs and failures or sins are remembered no more. Oh, Lord, we want to know uh, your affection for us, and we pray uh, through your spirit uh, that, we would, that we would experience it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.